I see a lot of the funeral home because I, I don't think I'd mentioned this before. I actually live here too. That's, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you never get to leave. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Do they have one of those monitors, like people that are getting released from prison that's on your ankle? and <laughs> <laughs> Feels like that sometimes. Feels like that. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of The Mortuary Show. Today we have uh, Nick Ramos. Ramos, what's your name? <laughs> Ramos. Uh, he's a funeral director out in Orange County in California. So you know he's got those retirees lined up for you. Nick, how's it going today? <laughs> I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, tell us a little bit about your life in funeral service. How'd you get into this business, uh, this crazy business of ours? And give us a little background uh, of what it's like being a funeral director in your shoes. Uh, so first, I was interested in going uh, to be working for the coroner, becoming a medical examiner. Oh, okay. And then I learned that I would need to become a doctor. And that is not something that I think I could go after. So uh, then I started looking into mortuary service. One to two years of school is so much more fun than eight. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So that seemed a little bit more tangible for me. Sure. Um, but then I really started to fall in love if, uh, with being able to help people and serve people in that way. Yep. Um, and then I started thinking about, you know, the different funerals I've been to for my loved ones and how much of an impact that uh, the funeral directors that we had met with had on uh, the whole grief process and helping facilitate our grief. Um, so I decided that that's what I was going to choose. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's the best place to come from. And that's what makes the best funeral directors are the ones that come into it from a place of wanting to help families. And you could always feel that and sense it in the, you know, Almost everyone is. Like, that's where we come from. We're very helpful, passionate people about just making a difference in the world in whatever way possible. A lot of people are behind the scenes and they are the unsung heroes, but they're just as, as important as the people that are in front of the scenes every day. So um, that's great that you, you found that passion. What made you even think about becoming a medical examiner in the first place? What was that? Because it's such a such a unique thing. Like people don't think I'm going to become a coroner, right? like, you know, like I'm not going to be a pathologist. Like no way. Very true. Very true. Uh, no, I, I've always been interested in the, uh, in sciences in anatomy, chemistry, yeah. things like that. And I noticed that I was able to handle things that were a little bit more on the gross side or things that other people awesome. would turn away from. So I thought I would mm -hmm. put that ability to use. Yeah, because that's, that's such a, a good thing because you have to find your way. If you if you are able to handle that stuff, it's like, well, I better use that. Like if you're good at, it doesn't matter what it is. It, it, if you have a passion for talking with people or helping people in one way, like that's one thing you can use that route to be a funeral director. If you have the capacity to deal with things that almost no one in the world can deal with, like why not go for it? It's, it's funny because the people that aren't in the funeral industry, and they're like, you hear you, you're a funeral director, like, oh, that's so weird. But if you're able to handle it, it's it's just such a need and such a service. And 
it's a required thing that that we need in this world and people that are able to do it i always encourage give it a shot or at least shadow go out there test out the water and see hey like is this for me like what and then if it is then go and get it so nothing in school ever phased you when you were going through the whole process it was just a matter of oh. no nothing no what no. what was the I, I mean my very first embalming that was a little still remember that yeah. that that maybe freaked me out a little bit but i just figured right. you know at the end of the day this is to help the family so right that's that's the mindset what shook you when you first saw your first embalming and i'll tell you what mine was too how about that <laughs> Uh, you know, when uh pull the sheet back and uh, yeah. we just have this vision of people when they've passed, you know, to be just looking so perfect, peaceful, <laughs> perfect. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But this was real mm -hmm. death. Yeah. Real death. Yeah. Uh, you know, the jaw loose, hanging down, eyes open. Yeah. It, it was a little jarring. Yeah, because when you're on the other end and you're at a funeral service, and you see them, they're, they're dressed beautifully. They, for the majority of time, they're looking very nice with their cosmetics and everything set and it's perfect and there's flowers and it's all like a very good setting for what they're to see. They're like, oh, this is, this is not too bad. Still people will get uh, a little thrown off by that. People don't even want to go to the body sometimes, the visitations. But when you see that first body and you're like, whoa, this is a little bit different than what they portray on TV or at a visitation, when you see someone that's coming out of a body bag or um, there's the mouth open, the eyes open, people don't realize that that is a big part of what we do is restoring the life, trying to make them look like they would, like they would be sleeping or like they were alive. And it's tough to see that the first time it's a little bit, uh, you know, it shakes you a little bit. I remember the first time when I saw a body in the prep room, uh, my dad brought me in. I, I think I was in, I don't know how old I was. I had to be like 13 or 12 or something. He's like, Oh, come in the prep room. Like, let me show you. I think it was one of our family friends that passed away. And I went in there. I was like, Oh my God. And like, there's sheet on him. And I saw like the suture and I was like, what? this is, this is wild. So it wasn't my first embalming, but that was my first sighting. I was like, this is, this is very different than when you see after the fact, my first embalming, honestly, I, did some research or I talked with my dad or family members about the whole process. And so I was pretty much aware of what was going to happen. And I was like you, I was always interested in science and also business too, which was a good combination for being a funeral director. Cause, and I love talking to people. Uh, so it, it worked out in that respect. So the beginning of the embalming, no big deal for me. But when we went to aspiration, I was like, Whoa, this is uh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a lot. It's a lot to handle the first time you see it. And then you're dealing with different smells that you never smelled in your life before. Yes. And, uh, you know, most people don't have to deal with that. And I just remember that. And I was like, okay, I was able to get through that. So hopefully it can it only get better from there. And that was my first experience. And, uh, you know, it only gets easier. Uh not trying to be insensitive, but it does get easier because you get accustomed to it. And then you get that mind frame where like you're trying to help the family, give them their last goodbye. And it, it makes it easier. It makes, so you can go through everything and it's not as challenging um, as far as what you're seeing and you got to keep it separate. You know, when you're in the prep room, you're, you're doing a job 
And if you're someone that lets things sit with you, it becomes uh, a little bit more difficult. But if you're able to to separate those things, I think that's what makes uh, a good person in the prep room, I would say. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I feel like, at least my experience, um, it's almost like a double life. Yeah. Doing the, uh, the embalming in the preparation room. It's like there's this entire side to me that, you know, my, my friends, my family do not see that, uh, I, I can't talk to them about, you know? Yeah. And that's why we have the connection with all the other funeral directors. Cause we can bond over the things that we see that aren't really talked about much ever besides conversations like this. And it's good that we're able to open up a little bit now, um, more so when we talk to each other and it makes, it makes it a little bit more tangible knowing that other people are going through the same sort of things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so tell us, tell us about the process of, uh, you know, getting your license and everything like that. How is that? And what is it like, you know, you're a pretty fresh funeral director. So tell us about the early years uh, of being a funeral director. I have to think way back in my, my day at this point, but I remember what it was like. And I was so gung ho uh, about everything. And uh, that goes in waves, I will say, like, sometimes it, it gets to be a lot. And then you come back to it, and you're like, Yeah, okay, I got that, got that passion back. Uh, so tell us about, you know, your early stage here. Uh, well, so uh, working in California, I don't know what it is state to state, and what the requirements sure. are. But um, before I even got my license, I got my arrangement counselor. Yeah, that's different than here. Yeah, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in California, you can actually be meeting with families, making arrangements, doing all of that, having never gone to school. Um, Whether that's a good thing, I don't know. Um, But uh, I was in school at the time, so I was still familiar. Um, I was just seeing that as a way to get some experience meeting with families. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, in the very beginning, a little rocky, a little rocky, I'd say. Um, Especially being... um, you know, I'm only 25 mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So walking into an arrangement room yeah. with people who are twice, sometimes three times my age, looking at me like, oh, so you're the one that's going to be dealing with my loved one. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. Um, it is. But, you know, yeah. since then, I've just realized, you know, when people have questions and I have the answers for them, I just show them how professional I can be. Yep. Things tend to go a little bit smoother. Yeah, you have to you have to set that because we do deal with a lot of times older people. Um, if you're a young funeral director, and there is that sort of thing, we're like, oh, this this young person, they you know, like how can I how can I trust them in this situation? But you have to establish, hey, I've been here, I know what I'm doing, and I'm here to help you in any way I can. And once you break through that precedent, I think it helps a lot. Um, but I definitely remember that feeling of being super young and you're sitting down with the family or there's seven people in the arrangements office and you're asking these questions of them and they just lost this loved one. And it's a challenging time. Uh, You know, you have to build that rapport with the family in any way you can, whether it's talking about who they were as a person or their family dynamic, whatever the case might be, establishing the connection right away at the beginning of a range, which is always something that I think is super important rather than just diving straight into the paperwork and saying, okay, what was, you know, next of kin information and where did they die? And like all this stuff that is, it's, it's tough questions to ask and tough to get answers 
for us, it's all business at this point, but for them, it's challenging. So I always like to take a couple minutes beforehand and try to, to get to know them uh, on more of a personal level. And then once you are able to establish that, I think it becomes easier and they're able to open up. And then you can find out more and more about what they want as far as their services, how they want things to go. And then you can become a better arranger and director throughout the whole process. Oh yeah, yeah. No, this, uh, establishing that personal connection, I think, is the best. Uh, a little hard sometimes. Um, some people just don't want to break. Yep. Don't want to break, and they it's them that just want to keep it just business. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, just asking questions about their loved one. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of brings their walls. All about the question. All about the questions and. Um, some people are, when they go through a loss, they, they have that shell and they, they keep it tight and they don't want to open up. And it's about understanding the dynamic and being able to flow. Like sometimes they're in a position where their loved one has been suffering for a while and it's a relief for them. And maybe they're in a position where they can enjoy some comedic relief and you could joke with a family. Like that happens often. Other times it's you have to be very stoic in your way, like the traditional old school funeral director where it's all business. But I think it's it's part of the craft of knowing how you can handle each family. Some families are angry. Some are content with the situation. Some are a ghost of themselves because of what they're going through. So being able to understand and just play off of their emotions and the way that they're speaking and dealing with it is very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, at the end of the day, again, just being so young, it, it's hard to be uh, dealing with it, but I also see it as like a good challenge. Mm-hmm. It, I think it makes me do just a little bit better. Thinking yeah. that, you know, they see me being so young. I just have to just really prove myself to them. Yeah. Yeah. Got to prove yourself. What is your favorite aspect that um, you're in now in funeral service? What part of the job uh, do you find most rewarding or what part of the job do you do the most often? So I guess it's a dual question. So most often um, working services. Mm -hmm. So being one-on-one with the family and, you know, driving the coach to the cemetery, going to the church, uh, making the arrangements. I'd say that's mostly what I work in, yep. um, but then also working in the prep room. Um, I mean, there's interesting things to both sides of it. I think in the prep room, I get to apply the things that I learned in school, all of the textbook stuff. Yeah. And then in the arrangement office, I get to uh, you know really see the humanity within people. Yeah, that's a very good point. And you get to make it your own too. Um, you don't learn too, too much in school about funerals or about making arrangements and actual services, in my opinion, um, which I think there's been a lot of improvements on that over the years. Um, but honestly, same thing in the prep room. It's, it's very different than what you deal with in school. And you learn a lot pretty quickly as to there are different ways to do things um, to make your life easier and to make the outcome a little bit better, too. So there's finding that balance of applying what you learned and then making it your own too. What is your uh, least favorite part about being a funeral director? Only name one though. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm coming to terms with all of the parts of it, um, but probably just the hours, yeah. the long hours. 
That's- that, that really takes a lot out of me. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure you, you've experienced the same thing, 12 hour days, no lunch, things like that. It's, yeah, it can take a lot out of me. It's tough. It is tough. And I think that's usually the number one uh, gripe that we have um, is trying to find that balance of having your own life outside of funeral service. I was actually talking to um, a friend of mine that I went to mortuary school with today. He started his own removal service and now he's catering a little bit more to uh, overall helping funeral homes on the arrangement side, or it's more like outsourcing the work as opposed to um, some, I, I've said this for a while that I think that's the way the industry is going to go. It's going to be more, you have these houses, these funeral houses, so to speak, and then you outsource or you bring people in as needed. Because a lot of times if, if a funeral home is slow or if they're busy, they're going to need more or less staff. And I do think that is going to be the way of the future where it's, you're able to have the appropriate amount of staff by pairing with uh, an agency or something, as opposed to having X amount of funeral directors. And some days like you're going to be on each other's heels. Other days, it's just way too busy and you need more help. So I think that's the way the industry is going to eventually go a little bit more. It's probably still going to be pretty standard as to what we have now, but I think that is a good way to do it, especially from a business point of view. If, you know, you need more help or you need less help on a day to day. It's advantageous to have that. And the reason I bring it up is because his, the way his service works is he has a a team of staff and they work with a bunch of funeral homes in the Chicago land and they frame it more so as like you're, um, you know, working at a firehouse or the police department where they have a 24 hour shift and then you get 48 off. And that's how most, Um, firehouses and police uh, departments work because then you could have that break as opposed to like saying, okay, this day you're working 12 hours this day and you don't know what the next day is going to offer. It's more standard where it's like you're working this shift. It might be tough. It might be a little bit easy, but you know, you're going to have a break after that. And I thought that was a really cool, different way about going about things because a lot of funeral homes, there's a variety of different schedules. Some of them have you know, every other weekend and you have the one day off during the week, that's pretty much the standard one. Or you have the three days off, three days on and a day off and it switches. Or some funeral homes are like, our office, are, our office hours are the way that they are and we're going to accommodate you in that fashion. That's probably more for maybe um, the cremation heavy focused ones as opposed to a traditional style funeral home. But there's a lot of different ways that we can uh, start to mess around with the scheduling to make it a little bit better uh, because we want our staff to be on their A game at all times. And if you're getting overworked, it's it's hard to do that when you're dealing with tough stuff. So I'm always uh, interested to hear what other funeral homes do. So what is the, your schedule like in your funeral home? How does that usually work for, for you guys there? Uh, for myself and for most of the other employees, um, it's that's what you mentioned, that standard mm-hmm you know, every other weekend and then one day after. The yep. Week. Yep. It's the standard and it's, you know, it, it's, it's fine. It is what it is. It's good. When you get into funeral service, you have to realize that it's not going to be 
a normal desk job where you're working nine to five Monday through Friday. That's not the case. Uh, but it's worked for a long time and I do like improving things, but sometimes that's just the way it has to be. And there's, there's no going around it. So, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next 10, 15 years, as far as what that's going to be like, because it's shifting slightly away from only families, like a family funeral home, only having family members. You're not seeing that as much anymore. And it's a lot more of a staff with maybe an overarching family and they have that family atmosphere. Um, so it'd be interesting to see like how that changes over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I complain about the long hours, but at the same time, I, I love the variety in my day. I love that. Yep. I never really know exactly what I'm getting into yeah. in my day. That's what I, even if it's, a little yeah, that's what I always said when I first started, I was like, I like the variety of every day. You don't know what's going to happen. As I've gotten older, I've liked it less and less. <laughs> so, I mean, it is what it is. What it is, but uh, that's that's part of it. If you're a person that enjoys the the variety and you don't want the same monotonous thing every single day, that's that's funeral service might be good for you because you're not dealing with the same stuff every day. Oh yeah, no, and I, I appreciate it. it's exciting to me. It, People outside of the industry might think it sounds weird, but it is. It's super exciting to me. It is because you could be sitting around in the office and then you get three calls come in and it's like, ah, all of a sudden, you know, it's 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 three o'clock or whatever it is. And you, you got to go crazy and you got to make two removals and embalm and meet a family. It could just switch literally in seconds. So it does keep you on your toes. It does keep it very exciting. Um, not to be, you know, insensitive or anything, but it, it is part of part of the whole thing. Um, so tell us about maybe your experience, uh, as far as I, I know you make a good amount of removals and things like that. Uh, how do you enjoy that aspect of the job? Because that is a whole different part too. I think it is, it, it's an honor in a weird way to say it. it's an honor to be the first person that mm -hmm. the family has contact with mm -hmm. and to be the one to take them from their place of passing and bring them into our care. Um, I, I just think it's a really meaningful moment. And obviously, you know, it's the first impression that they have of the funeral home. So I, I like being in that position. Yeah. Um, it, it's just an incredibly important job. It doing is. The removals. It is. That first impression is everything. And you want to do what you can to, to take love and care in that situation because you don't know what you're getting into. And, uh, it can be tough. Have you have you come across any challenging uh, removals or, or cases in that respect yet? Um, <laughs> uh, tight hallways, tight hallways. You know, not a lot of space in some of these homes to be uh, uh, taking the body from. Um, nothing too complicated. Um, other than that, it's just the structure of the building is always the hardest for me. Yeah. It's playing, uh, playing Legos. Sometimes you're moving pieces around and yeah. trying to try and you're finding your way through. It's, it's always, you're thinking on your toes, uh, in every part of the job and you got to be willing and able to adapt. You can't be fixated on, this is the way I have to do it. You have to be able to be like, okay, this is the situation, analyze it and then come up with a solution. So you're thinking fast, you're moving quick. And um, that's that's a big thing. How about some some stories? Have you had any good stories as, as far as uh, services or meeting with families or in the prep room? Have you had anything that's a little bit unique that uh, us funeral directors might enjoy? 
Um, I, I don't know about enjoy, but I definitely um, resonate. An interesting, <laughs> an interesting story. Let's hear it. Um, poor guy um, was involved in an accident, a motorcycle accident, um, mm -hmm. and got clipped. Went off the uh, went off of his motorcycle, went in the street, and you know that's not enough to be doing too much damage. Just a little bit on this, that, that whatever. Right. But a bus happened to be coming. Oh no! And yes, yes, right over uh, just the head, just the head, shoulders down, looked completely fine. Oh. Went right over the head. Oh, that's the opposite of what you want. <laughs> Y yes. So yes. what'd you do in the situation? Uh, so this was something that, uh, <laughs> you know, being an apprentice, I just had to take lead from what, you know, supervisors were doing, did their best to recreate, you know, um, did it look exactly like him when he was alive? No, no. but uh, I, we were still able to offer a viewing to the family, which was really nice. That's awesome. And it's a hard thing to do. And, um, you just you just pray that the family is understanding of what they had to deal with, especially if they haven't didn't see their loved one at the end in a situation like an accident. If they didn't have to, you know, identify or something like that, um, you try to give them a heads up and say, you know, there was some there was some trauma that was done, and we're going to do everything we can to give you a good last goodbye. And most of the time, if you give set set it up like that in front of the family they'll be very understanding i think getting ahead of those situations is always super important whether you have a case like that or a case of really bad edema or jaundice um and just setting that precedent right away and say you know we we had to use a little bit more cosmetic than we're used to because of the the situation or the status of of your loved one but i think that open communication is really important as opposed to just not saying anything, letting them go into the chapel. And then they're like, oh my gosh, if you can set it up prior to let them digest it for a little bit that, you know, it, it might not be exactly what they looked like, but we did everything we could. They're a lot more receptive to, to understanding what we have to deal with. And it all depends on the family and depends on their level of comfort or their experience involving a loved one passing. So that's a really important thing that you, you got to try to do when you're, when you're in those situations, I would say. Oh yeah. No, being as transparent as possible. Mm -hmm. um, there was another time there was a family that wanted to view their loved one. The decomposition was just way too advanced. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, most everybody else at the funeral home was saying, no, you cannot view, you cannot view, you cannot view. I had asked my supervisors i was like what if we showed them a picture just so that they could get that little bit of closure they were like if the family's okay with it go right ahead and i spoke with the family and they were like yes please just anything so yeah. that we can confirm it's them and so we can get an idea so i took the photo i printed it out i took them into an office i was very upfront about what they were about to see sure and then I showed it to them, and at first they were a little jarred by what they saw. And then I could see like the relief on them. Yeah. 
in a weird way, it was like they got some relief being able to see that this was their loved one. Yeah. Um, in the end, they were so grateful. They came up and gave me a hug. They were yeah. like, this was not ideal, but mm-hmm. I did the best that I could for them. Yeah, that, that's a good way of doing it. And it's if the family is open and willing to do that, there's a lot of times you find yourself in that situation that they just want to know that it's that it's them. And there's something in their mind that they they need that closure in that way. And that's what some people don't um, that aren't in the industry might not understand if they haven't gone through too many losses. They're like, well, why, why are we always doing open caskets and this and that? And like this whole thing that's been going it's it's not about the loved one necessarily always it's about the family and they are able to see their loved one is at rest they're at peace it is them you know is as tough as that is to digest they need that little bit of closure and that's what we provide it's a big part of what we provide and honoring their life in that way so that way the family can can move on to the next chapter it's all part of that grieving process that a lot of times if you don't have that, there's still a little bit of unsolved, just, uh, I wouldn't say trauma, but maybe, maybe it does turn into trauma, but that unsolved feeling or that unsettling feeling where it's like, we don't like, we know, we know that they're gone, but like, we weren't able to see it. And as hard as it is for someone to see it, it is part of that process where it helps them to be like, okay, this is definitive. I saw it with my own eyes. Um, unfortunately my loved one is gone, but it's a helpful part of the whole journey to get them, you know, back to, back to the level of just living their, their normal life. And I think that's an important thing. Oh yeah, no, of course. That's, I mean, that, that's what we do, right? The, the whole goal is to provide a little bit of relief for the family, help facilitate the grief. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right, I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I got to tell you, all the funeral homes we work with, are they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. Tell us a, a little bit more then about uh, what you what you see yourself doing in the future. What are your goals in funeral service and um, what, what would you like to see yourself do down the road? I know you're just getting started, but um, I always like to hear about you, the aspirations because every funeral director is different. They have different goals and, and dreams of what they want to do in the industry. And I think that's an important thing that um, people think about too, as opposed to just saying it's just a job. No, it's way more than that. This is your life. So what what are your goals or, or your aspirations? That is probably the hardest question for me to answer <laughs> only because I truly, I like all of it. Yeah. yeah. I like all of it. I could see myself just doing embalming. I could see myself mostly just staying on the arrangement side or just doing the services um, or even, you know, running a business like that. That's also a possibility. Yeah. Uh, eventually, once I'm a little bit more seasoned. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this is the hardest question for me to answer because I, I love all of yeah. it. 
and that's good. And I think over time, everyone finds their craft that they that they like the most. If they're very content and happy with being in the prep room and they find solace there, sometimes it it can be relaxing almost where we're, it's just you and that person and you're doing everything you can for the family in that way. And it's, you can zone in and this is the work you have to do and you don't have to worry about everything else that's going on. You have a task at hand. Some people love that, or some people do love meeting with families and carrying out arrangements and funerals, or some people are very interested on the business side of things where it's like, I would love to be able to own and operate my own funeral home. And there's, there's so many different routes that you can take as a funeral director, which is part of why it's such appealing industry and profession because there are different ways you can go about it and there are a lot of possibilities out there and it's a, and it's a good thing to think about even when you're you're just getting going so i i encourage you to continue to go down that road too yeah yeah thank you yeah there's still a lot of exploring for me to do within the industry yeah, that's good that's good tell us about the funeral home you're at now uh what is it like being there and um yeah how, how is your day-to-day -day with, with them and what do you like about it or um you know all that good stuff. Um, I see a lot of the funeral home because I, I don't think I'd mentioned this before. I actually live here too. That's, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you never get to leave. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Do they have one of those monitors, like people that are getting released from prison that's on your ankle? and <laughs> Feels like that sometimes. Feels like that. Um, no, I, I have the... Um, the, the pleasure of um, renting out the apartment that's uh, attached to this funeral home because this building has been around since the 40s. Okay, so. yeah. yeah, yeah, no, this is it's a more established um, mortuary within the area. Sure. Um, but I love it here. Um, I happen to go to uh, mm -hmm. Cypress College, it's one of two programs that we have in the state. That is uh, mortuary science, and uh, the family that I work for, they're the ones who actually started that program at Cypress. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, it was a, it was great. In fact, uh, when I first got accepted into the program at Cypress, they said you need to find a funeral home to uh, kind of like intern at. Mm -hmm. So I was calling around, and a place that I'm at now gave me a call, and they were like, "We would love to have you, and we could even offer you a job." and like, oh, that's great. Let me just call the school and make sure that you're an approved site. And uh, my current boss said, oh, I don't think that'll be a problem. My grandfather gave them that school. It's like, oh, oh. Yeah, direct direction <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, real lucky to get there. Um, cool. But, yeah, no, really no complaints where I work. It's fantastic. That's good. That's good. It's great to find a place that you feel comfortable and welcome in and that you're able to, to take care of your work. And um, there is something special about the, the family funeral home still that you have that dynamic where you're all working together as a team. Not to say that you would in other places, but there's something different, different about it. And you you're able to families feel that a lot, too, when when there's a, a funeral home that they're doing things together as one and trying to instill that and get that out there to other families that they're helping. Um, it's, it's a comforting feeling, I think. And that's why a lot of family funeral homes are still around because they want that feeling that that sense of family and comfort. It can really, 
address what they want and those needs in that in the tough situations that they're in. Oh yeah, and I mean, I think there's you know there's some comfort in the familiarity. Yeah. You know, some of these families they're like, hey, you did the services for both my grandparents and my uncle, my aunt, my parents, all of that. And so that's what keeps us going. They keep coming back to us. Um, uh, Puts a lot of pressure though. It's like, oh, we did so good those first few times. I got to keep doing good. You can't screw it up now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. Yeah. That used to be the thing everywhere, at least by us, families would come from farther away to just use our funeral home specifically. And I know this is this uh, very similar in other places. And um, just because that they've had all their loved ones there, I think that has changed a little bit. It's becoming more localized uh, in many respects, but it is nice to see funeral homes that are still able to, that provide the great quality service and they wouldn't want anyone else handling their loved one because of the experience that they've had. And that's our whole goal is to provide that level of service where the families are want to come back to you no matter what the situation is. And that's a really good feeling being a funeral director when you are in that situation where it's like, they trust you right off the bat. They know you know what you're doing and you're there to help them. Uh, it's a special feeling and it, it makes you feel makes you feel good, honestly, it does. Oh, absolutely. The, um, uh, an arrangement that I did most recently um, for veteran. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was actually the first one that I had ever set up for a veteran. So I was having to, you know, set up the military honors and coordinate all the little things that go into that service. Um, And there was family didn't see this, but there were so many hiccups along the way. The church said that they had someone for that day. And then they're like, oh, wait, never mind. We don't have someone to perform the services that day. So I'm having to call another church and borrow a priest from there. Um, So stressful, so stressful. But. Yeah. Then we get to the cemetery. Everything went perfect. Um, the daughter who I had been working with the most, she came up to me and she said, well, I guess this is it. Just want to let you know that um, it was her father that had passed. Um, she said, right next to my father is uh-huh. a spot for my mom. And while I hope this isn't for a long time, when she does go, I hope you're still working there because I need you to be the one to take care of wow. it. Yeah, that I, is, there's not a better feeling. No way. Yeah, no. And I mean, it's not that I've questioned that this is what I'm going to stay in. But like, that was definitely a moment for me where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in the right spot. Yep. I'm doing something right. Yep. Yep. That's that. Uh, it, it's something so important. Um, as much as we like to say we don't need any, any credit behind the scenes. It's just it's helpful and it helps us to keep going because we know that we're making that positive difference and it reinforces how the hard work that we do do. It's like, okay, this is why we do it because the family is, they want us again in the worst of situations, they're ready and willing to, to use you again. So that's a cool feeling and it, it makes you want to keep going in funeral service. It's one of those big things that, that keeps you going. Yeah. And I mean, that's for any job. You want to feel like what the work that you're producing is, you know, appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. All right, Nick, give us one last uh, good story, if you would, Uh, whether it's, you know, prep room with a family. Do you have anything else that that we would like to hear? Maybe sign us off. (laughs) Let's see. Prep room arrangements. Um, Let's see if I got one other one to do for you. 
this is one maybe not interesting maybe more touching i, I like know. that i like that let's end on a nice beautiful high note <laughs> yes okay um so this was for um uh, a baby who had yeah. passed worst yep um yeah absolute worst mm-hmm. uh the family they rented out the chapel for three hours to do a little memorial service but they told us up front that they were just going to be there for a little bit and it was just going to be the immediate family there mm-hmm. and uh this memorial service was going to take place the next morning so i was setting up for that um and it, it looked a little empty to me. You know, we had the urn, we had the candles, the table. That was great and all, but I was talking with the director. I was like, oh, well, once some flowers start showing up, you know, we could really make this look nice for them. And he's like, oh, no, they won't be getting any flowers. They yeah. can't afford yeah, it, basically, right. what it was. And, you know, even though I was, you know, a student that was, had just moved to Orange County, first time on his own. I thought it was incredibly important that we have something. Yeah. On my way home that day, I uh, stopped at just like a local grocery store, got a few bouquets that I could get that would uh, look nice for the table. I brought them in the next day. I put them in some vases and I worked the service. The family came in and they were like, oh, who brought these in? I was like, oh, just compliments of the funeral home. Yeah. So I didn't want to take any credit for right. that. Um, but then they asked, oh, can we take these home? I'm like, absolutely, take it. And the director who knew what was supposed to happen, he was like, did you buy those flowers? And I was like, well, yeah, it's a it's a baby. He deserved more oh than Oh, my this. gosh. Um, yeah. And he, he thanked me. And, yeah. That's what it's all about, Nick. I mean, I'm telling you, that's – that's why we do what we do. And you got that calling. Uh, we, I, I'm sure a lot of us have been in that situation before where, you know, I, I can remember several times where we did similar things like that just to help in a situation. And it just shows your passion by you doing that. And I'm sure it meant everything to that family. And it's something that they're never going to forget that this random stranger pretty much it was there for me during this time. And that's why we do what we do. And that's just beautiful. And I I think everyone could take that to heart. And that's something that we can do is just do those little things a little bit above and beyond. And, um, you know, you could sense that calling coming from you doing those sort of things. It's, it's the little things that add up and count. And uh, it was just, just great to hear that Nick. And um, honestly, we wish you nothing but the best. Hopefully continue on that road. Hopefully your wallet doesn't get too thin with buying a, flower bouquets for every family, but I think you're going to continue to find your way and uh, love to see that passion. And um, we wish you nothing but the best and hope, hopefully you keep it going. And um, if there's anything that we can do for each other down the road, like stay in touch. That's what it's all about is building a community of funeral directors that we can all work together to, to help make a difference in the world. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great talking to you, Nick. Thank you. You have a good one. <laughs>